Hello and welcome to episode 23 of the MLS Fantasy Insider Podcast, brought to you by the fantastic community of r slash fantasy MLS on Reddit and the international imports, because how would we even have an all-star game without them? Uh, my name is Reed. I'm from MLS Fantasy Boss, a.k.a. Dashdar, on the Reddit forums, and I'm joined by, once again, some of the greatest fantasy minds that I know around today to give you some great advice. So we have the recently unmuted Simon. Hey, y'all. New YouTube sensation guy. That's me. And the new mods from our fantasy MLS, we have Jason J. Wu. Hey, everybody. And also Jason, sometimes goes by J. Antioch. What's good, guys? Well, thank you guys for joining us today. I know we all had some kind of crazy schedules getting this thing put together. So let's just jump right into it. How did your teams do during round 20, and what were some of the takeaways you took from this last round? Hey, I was pretty happy with uh, round 20. This was my best week of the year, 119 points, even though there was a minus 4 in there. Uh, Finlay captain went pretty well, and, um, you know, comeback cat. Never doubt Robbie Keane. That's the other takeaway. Yeah, and for myself, um, a down week, but acceptable. I was at uh, 93 points, minus 4. I, I didn't pick up Kamara. I stuck with BM. Um, but my biggest takeaway is I think people that loaded up on Chicago and Columbus are going to do worse than me this week. So trade for trade. Fair enough. I captained Kamara. Pretty happy with that. <laughs> but, you know, it's a week where you get 97 points and I moved up one spot. I was watching. I wasn't really paying attention to anyone else. I was just watching the points really in all weekend thinking this is great, this is great. And then I actually checked what it was affecting and not so much. But that's good, though. It's fun to have, you know, big points for everyone. Yeah, 111 for me, uh, Captain Kamara uh, switched at the last minute from Finlay to try to be a differential from a lot of, like, I know Reed picked Finlay, but, uh, Hello. Um, and then, but my thing was uh, Duralis coming in big again with another 15 points for me, been killing it, so as Simon would say, you know, don't doubt his players, don't doubt Duralis, he's going to do great for you. I have to agree, it was a great week, after a couple of weeks, I'd prefer to forget, I ended up with 121 points. I was on minus 8, so I took, uh, uh, I got 113 at the end. I did that minus 8 because I really did decide after our podcast and listening to some of the comments going on at Fantasy Boston on Reddit that I was going to bring in Keen and have that big 3 front line, and so I made some changes, and I, <laughs> uh, the big takeaway I had here was, of course, the game where I, I lose my faith in Woodbury, he gets a clean sheet, so that's what I get for no longer believing. In, in Woodbury. But yeah, I, I loved it. There was definitely a lot of talk about the Columbus team. I was going to say Columbus crew, but I thought that would be too bad of a pun. Uh, and we'll get to some of that later in the show. I know Guy and I were talking a little bit about it on Twitter. We had some good conversations that come up, but yeah, the double game week finally did not burn me, like I know so many of them have done to all of us in the past. So great week. A lot of high scores. The the Fantasy Boss Head-to-Head -head League had an average of over 100 points, so that was fantastic. And the, the scores in the R Fantasy Standard League were pretty good themselves. So congrats, guys. I hope that this podcast is helping you out. So before we get into our questions, we'll do, as usual, some little housekeeping items. Uh, remember that the kickoff for Round 21 is Friday at 11 o'clock. So plenty of time to make those trades You'll have plenty of time to look at rosters and see all the craziness that may or may not be going on. Some early reports say that Fry and Oba are back in training now, so be sure to take a look at those guys if you're interested. Uh, big news, Marco Papa 
has been arrested for a DUI and is going to go through that same sort of substance abuse program that CJ Sapong did earlier. So he may be out a few games. Uh, not going to be very happy over there in Seattle, I guess. Is that right, Simon? I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> uh, then as far as the disco goes, at the time of recording here, I didn't see that it had been updated, so check back. Uh, there were some cards, uh, red and yellow, last round that I neglected to write down. My bad. So check the disco report. Uh, no, nothing too too awful. Most of the big guys are coming back now. So we're just going to move right into the questions. We've got a lot of great guys here to answer tonight, So and a lot of great questions. So I'm sorry if we couldn't get to everything. Uh, I'll try and hope some of the other guys will get back there and answer some of the other ones that we couldn't. So first one comes from Chris J.D. Grady. He says, what's one player you don't see in a lot of teams that you think should be in everyone's team? And I love this question. Yeah, and this, for me, it's the easiest answer um, that we have tonight, and that's Sebastian Legette. Uh, hasn't even reached 5% ownership yet. Uh, super value midfielder at 6.6. Um, five, five, he has a goal in five of the last six matches. So if there was ever a doubt that he was going to be a kind of a sideline player, no, he's, with those results, he's going to find himself in the starting lineup. Um, yeah, I mean, he's just a steady producer. He's always in the attack, and you can't argue with the results or the price. So that's my that's my guy that should be in everybody's lineup. Yeah, I think anyone from L.A. is get a little bump right now. I think that's the team to you know try to have four players from for sure if you're going to go that route. Um, other than that, maybe MPG. He's still doing well, maybe a little under the radar at one, I think, one point. Was it 1.7? No, 1.3%. So, I don't know. But there's not a lot of guys I, I think are should be on everyone's team, but I'm surprised he's that low. Uh, yeah, my answer is going to be super unhelpful. I don't pay attention to who's on other people's teams. I don't really look at other people's teams or even look at ownership percentages. I don't really care. I focus on my own team. You should Place see. it from the gut. Yeah, and mine, um, no surprise here, Javier Morales. I know he's uh, he has jumped a lot in, in price at 11.7, but at 6.2 ownership. And every single 90-minute game he's played, uh, he's only had one game that was <clears throat> three points. He has a four-point game in week one and a three-point game in week six. And every other game, he's scored seven points or more in the last three games, seven, eight, and 15. So to me... He's the sole creator at RSL, and he's probably the most consistent fantasy player this year. Well said. So our next question, seems like every week we have uh, more questions about the budget defenders. Uh, maybe we should just make it a standard part of the show, but this week the question comes from RuzoFC13, who says, uh, Toya, Hoberry, Allen... Uh, which would be the best, uh, someone in that 5.0 or cheaper range, budget defender going forward to the next, for at least to week 27 when we get the free transfer. So let's just open that up, guys. Uh, top three budget defenders that you're going to keep an eye on up until that free transfer period. Yeah, so I mean, I think that you have to keep Polster in your lineup just because um, they do have a, go a double game week in game week 26. He's a guaranteed starter. I know Chicago's defense is garbage, but... I think that's a you know a great option. Um, I think Toya is also another great option. I know they do have a buy after their double game week, but for the price, he's getting some good BPs. And then um, I love to say Allen, but with the transfer window still open, I don't really know what's going to happen with RSL. And if 
Hoberry's healthy, then get Hoberry in. But yeah, I have to say Woodbury, Toya, and Polster. Yeah, for myself, uh, I mean below five, three. That's 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 really a lot to try to take in. Um, I like the question though because it shows that people are really migrating toward that philosophy now instead of trying to find those big time defenders. But I think I'm only going to go Toya. I think Toya at 4.9. Um, he's really the only guy on there that you could find that he's he's a nailed on starter. There's he's not playing for anybody else. He's not waiting for somebody to come off the injury. Um, Toya's a starter legitimately, and he's producing at an okay rate for his price. Yeah, I have a hard time going below five. I mean, you, you, get, you know, Woodbury has like killed my. Uh, my um, my Budget. funds. It, it's so brutal. You know, every time I, you know, I think it was like week seven, eight, or something. I had an epiphany, like, oh, I should have a bench. I wish I didn't, because you know, I pick up a few points here and there. But then there's games where he gets an eight, and I get a two on the field anyway, so it doesn't help me, and I still, you know, so I've been burned by that a little bit. Um, I like Dia at four and a half million. I think that he maybe picks up some clean sheets just from being on Kansas City. I think you know Kansas City and LA are the safest bets right now, but I don't think LA has any cheap defenders, so you can't really bargain, bargain basement shop there. Um, Garrett at Chicago is doing all right. Um, you know he gets a three, he gets an eight, he gets a five, two. So some weeks you're gonna go down, some weeks you're gonna stay the same, some weeks you're gonna go up. So I don't think it'll be as much of a, a hit, but again that's over the five million limit, so at five point one. I don't know. I'd say two for six personally for defenders. Uh, yeah, those seemed like good answers. I don't really think it matters who you pick up at that price. They're all, like, pretty much the same. But I've chosen Toya and who's that guy? Polster from Chicago. Those are the two I have because I think that they're good players and that they might actually, I don't know, do something other than just play. So, yeah, there you go. Keep an eye out real quick for Jordan Allen. If Luis Gill does get traded to um, a Mexican team in this transfer window, I guarantee you that Jordan Allen will be starting every single game. And at 5.0 for a listed defender playing either right mid or a winger, that could be a fantastic option. Yeah, and one thing real quick, Simon does make a great point. It kind of doesn't matter. If, if you're looking at the 5.0 and cheaper defenders, you just got to accept that you're hoping that maybe they'll play, maybe they'll team, the team will get a clean sheet, and you'll get some free points. Otherwise, that's the reason I was willing to keep Woodbury for so long, even though he was losing points, because it was opening up my budget elsewhere. Now, that quickly, I felt the effects of the new transfer rule, the new uh, price rules, a lot harder with Woodbury in this budget area with these sometimes starters or just cheap starters than I did in the higher higher area with uh, just the points that they were getting. But you're just sort of resigning yourself to, I'm moving my funds up to the front where the big guns are, and that's just going to offset any sort of anything. So Simon does pretty hit it there. It almost doesn't matter as long as they're going to play. Don't worry about Woodbury, though. The Revs midseason slump is over. <laughs> in the ascendancy, everything's good. He's off my team, so he's going to do well. Our next question <laughs> comes from Poignant Cashew. He says, my team is starting to look like everyone else's. Which You nailed it. That's what happens this time of the season. Uh, who are some of the big-name players to fade in this week and some of the good differentials to replace them? So I said fade in, just to fade this week. Um, I kind of like Sapong as a budget forward. If you're going to try to you know, splurge in the midfield, he's at 4.4%. 4 
not bad. Um, Acosta maybe is an option. He's a little bit expensive. I'm only 6.1 for a defender with 0.9%. That's the only real differential that popped out at me. He's at 7.3 form, but he does have a buy coming up in three weeks. He only has two. You'd have to trade him out. So uh, maybe Maidana at the midfield is only at 2% ownership. Those are the only ones that really jump out at me. He's he gets two to four bonus points per game. So you know if you're gonna I don't remember what he's, his price is, but I think he's a decent option if you're going to spend money elsewhere, maybe if you're going to try to pick up Keane or something. Um, hmm. My answer to this is don't make it about differential. Make your picks about who's most likely to get you high points. Sometimes that's with the pack. Sometimes it isn't. I think I already stated my preference for not paying attention to who's on other people's teams. Um, that might help you. I guess who's on a lot of teams? Keen. Uh, maybe if you really want to like be a rebel, you could ditch Keen because LA's road form sucks and they have two road form games coming up. But I don't know. That seems kind of stupid. Yeah, I mean, what I usually do is if you want to look at a differential, um, go over to your right-hand side tab and just look for um, sorted by team selected by percentage and then you can see who, what percentage is selected by each player. Then kind of filter through that list and maybe have a couple teams in mind with their a favorable schedule. And then go ahead and look at what teams are below, you know, a 10% ownership or whatever you want. And then maybe, you know, do it that way. That could be a good differential pick. Um, but you got to remember, too, everyone has these players in for a certain reason because they're informed, they're performing well. So... Your differential pick may be good for one week, but you know if you don't have Kamara, Keen, Finlay, Giovinco, because you want to pick a differential like a Bradley or or a Merum or somebody else, probably going to come back to bite you in not a good way. Yeah, I I second that. This is the kind of guy that you love to find in a head-to-head matchup. Um, you know, it, it's don't overthink it. You know. Keen is going to be on everybody's team because he has back-to-back hat tricks. You're not going to find a differential that's going to give you back-to-back hat tricks. It's just not going to happen. So it's a, it's okay if your team looks like everybody else. I mean, there's still the captain pick that decides pretty much everything at that point. So yeah, you're going to have a couple subprime midfielders that will be differentials, but if if there's a big player out there and you have to have him, yeah, sometimes they're going to get you a blank, but other weeks they're going to get major points and you're going to miss out if you just went against the grain on that. So stay the course. But I think the midfield area does give you the most room to make some of these switches. With If you look at the form charts that get posted on Fantasy Boss, the away games are, are by far looking at the reds for zero points and ones for draws. The teams just don't play well on the road in, in our league. And so if you're finding a guy with a long streak of, of away games, Maybe swap them out with somebody that's been doing well at home. Some like who's playing Chicago this week? I mean, that might be something where you could swap a guy. Just those like for like trades. If you if you didn't have Javi in this week and and you did bring in Benny this week and you want to swap them out, you could do that. Or just just for a one game and see. I, I think those home away matchups are what's going to give you the most opportunity for something. But more of a like for like trade. 
Our next question comes from Dizzo Dizman, and he says, "Which of the shiny new DPs is the panel thinking of adding to the new or the next couple of weeks? Uh, and and which of the DPs do we think will be a fancy dud? We touched on this a little bit last week, but now we've seen at least one play some. So, what do you guys think? Um, <clears throat> well, I'm gonna Stephen Gerard is gonna play tonight. I'm gonna see you know how many minutes he gets. Hopefully, he doesn't get injured. Uh, he's gonna be a real difference maker." Uh, the the attacking role that they have him in, that's what he was meant to play. He played it seamlessly. Um, and then for Portland, uh, Lucas Milano is going to play this week. And even though we don't know much about him, he's supposed to be a proven goal scorer. He's he's a huge signing for at least financially for the Timbers. Um, it seems like everything is in place for Portland except for the striker. There's the services there. The 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 team formation is there. It's just Adi and Arudi aren't getting it done. So give uh, give Milano a couple weeks, and if he really starts to gel, uh, get on the ground floor on that guy. That's that's my advice. Yeah, Gerard I think is the most likely out of all of them to have a standout fantasy performance for the rest of the season. I think LA is set up to to go really far. Um, Pirlo, I think, may be the least fantasy-centric, although I haven't had time to process Dos Santos coming in. Um, but yeah, I would say Pirlo is probably the least likely to be fantasy-wise, but he's personally the one I'm most excited to watch. So, who knows? Uh, yeah, I think Gerard and Dos Santos are probably the best ones just because they're on L.A. I don't know, you put somebody into a good team, they're probably going to do well if they're a good player. Otherwise, midseason additions scare me. I would stay away. Yeah, I honestly, I think that this is kind of an unfair question to ask right now, just because we've only seen a small sample size of Steven Gerrard, and he did look amazing. But you have Giovanni Dos Santos, you have Lampard, who's fat and injury prone right now. You have, um, you know, Pirlo, who has not played a minute of fantasy MLS yet. You potentially have Drogba coming in as well. Um, you have, um, I forget what you just said, guy, but the guy from Portland that we know nothing about. I mean, it's it's kind of an unfair question because everyone's jumping on the Steven Gerrard train because, yeah, he did have a great role. If he plays in that attacking role, I really think that he could potentially also be a must-have. But, I mean, you got to give it at least a couple weeks to see exactly what's going on. Stevie G is a great addition, but L.A. is one of the worst road teams, and they have back-to-back road games. So... Why would you want to put somebody in your team when L.A. is proven this year that they can't do well on the road? Well, it's, but as far as Gerard on the road, though, um, man, if you look at what L.A. is doing with him, I mean, I think I think there's going to be certain teams now that are going to be sort of fixture-proof, and I think L.A. is going to be one of those teams. Um, there's no reason that he can't distribute the ball. To, I mean, they, they just are so good. And it, it sucks as a fan of anybody else in the league to see L.A. be that good again so soon. But um, I think, you know, Stephen Gerrard's going to be going to be the real deal, even even on the road. I, I, I might pick him up this week myself. So. Well, what do you do? I mean, because, I mean, L.A. is, you know, an embarrassment of riches. You've got Keane. You have Legette that's doing great. You have Gerrard, who's now starting to perform. You have... Giovanni Dos Santos coming in, so where does that leave Zardes? You know, where are you going to put Juhinu in, Hasidic? Where are you going to put all of these other guys that are, you know, 
amazing players. How are they all going to gel together? I mean, what formations are they going to use? I mean, it's to me, it's still a big question mark. And I, I actually think I got to think that Zardes and um, Alan Gordon, who are both on the national team right now, are looking at LA being like, "We're going to be sitting on the bench," because Zardes hasn't been a, a standout fantasy player or even just a normal player this this year. Um, and this this team that Bruce Arena is putting together right now is. I don't think he cares. I don't think he cares about their feelings. He wants to win right now, and you don't bring in Giovanni Dos Santos if you give a, if you give a damn about uh, Zardes' feelings. Okay, I, I got to disagree here. I think it's pretty simple what LA's formation is going to be. Um, you know, you take their back, which is what it is, and let's not really bother talking about it. But uh, then you have Dos Santos on one wing, and you have Leget on the other, and then in the middle you have Janino and Gerard, and then up top you have Keen and Zardes. There's places for all of them. Kucinich is the one who's going to get dropped. But that well, puts Gerard at a, at a holding midfield role, which is, which I mean, they played, I believe it was a 4-2-3-1 last game. And the game before, I think they played like it was like a 4-4-2. I mean, they're it's constantly all... switching. Yeah, I mean, you look at what Bruce has done over the years, though, and it always goes back to that 4-4-2. Like... The, of course Gerard is going to play holding mid. He's not going to keep playing up top the entire season. He's so old and he can't do it. But is this really a bad problem for LA to have? Is this not a problem we want all of our teams to have? Because essentially what we're saying is LA has depth. People have to fight for positions now to earn their spot because of their deep pockets that they've right. brought some quality <laughs> players. And that's been a, a, a problem with many MLS teams that we're seeing now in the past few years where the Gold Cup comes along or we have the Open Cup that's going on and players are playing more or not at their – they're absent for their games, and then you're having to go to your bench, and it's just not high quality, and crazy stuff happens. Like, Seattle stops scoring. Yeah, no, this is – if if this was any other team in the league under any other coach, uh, I, would, I would be nervous to have four L.A. players. But when you look at L.A., they don't – they don't have a mercy rule. They just keep attacking until the 90 minutes is up. They don't care how far up they are. And then you watch a team like Portland who's so content with a 1-0 lead that they start turtling up trying to protect the one goal. When you see L.A. play, it's it's a free-for-all. If you can get the ball between the pipes, keep shooting the ball, keep going at it, keep having the possession. So, I mean, there's, there's no reason to believe that they won't go for four or five goals every game as their intent. So I think they're pretty much foolproof on that if people are worried about how are they going to share their goals anybody's going to get the goals that's that's how that's going to work with the 15 million dollar budget and MLS you know doing whatever they can to, to help you out I mean you better have the best players in the world that are coming in it's like like we also like in Portland we don't have the luxury of having MLS behind us but going back to Stevie G really quick if he's playing a uh, you know holding defensive midfielder role He's not going to get up an attack, so therefore, yeah, he's going to have great service with through balls and things like that. But I mean, it's the same thing as Benny Failhaber, not this week, but the week uh, the week pre- uh, prior. He was playing more of a holding midfield role, and he got two points. They move him back to his normal position this week, and he scores a goal and gets I don't know seven or eight points, whatever it was. I don't think Stevie G is worth it if he's playing a defensive midfield role. That's the same reason why people aren't considering Pirlo because he's playing more of a holding midfielder role. Well, look what, look what so Stevie G did, though. He got a goal and assist and earned a PK in his first game at his favorite position. 
But he was playing center attacking mid. That's the difference right. of not playing a and holding mid. I don't think he'll get moved out. If he's if he's that successful, and if that's where Keane wants to have him, I mean, I Keane's old too, and Keane runs the field, and those guys, they're, they're smart enough to know their bodies that they don't have to run around in the you know the kind of inefficient MLS model where people just run in circles. It's They know how to get to A to B with the least amount of effort, and he was so successful in that position. There's no reason to move him back at this point. Sure. If he plays so, center attacking mid, then yes, I would get him. If he's playing holding, then no, in my opinion. Great conversation. Uh, Dizzo, Dizman, you've really hit on probably something we're going to touch more on next week as one of our, our focus discussion topics. Uh, we could go on forever. A lot of great points. But let's just keep moving on for time's sake. But great answers. Great answers. I, I want to talk about this more later. Uh, this next one comes from... Uh, Ruzo FC 13, and again, this touches on some of what we were talking about last week, and we'll continue some of our, our Gerard discussion here. He's been running with a 3-5-2, uh, but with Keane, Villa, and Kamara starting doing well, he's thinking about switching to that 3-4-3. He's got a million dollars in the bank, but he's not sure if it's better to add Keane to Villa and Kamara, uh, or if he should be looking at Gerard after we've been seeing that success. So with some of that discussion we were saying before about Gerard. What would you think? What does Gerard in the midfield make you think a three-five-two could be better than the three-four-three? I, I still think it's too early for a sample size. Um, you know, one game with Gerard, I know he's a proven commodity, but um, you know, looking at the schedule, LA plays away at Houston, which I think is a very favorable matchup, and maybe to break LA's bad home streak because Houston is just not a very good team. And then they play against Colorado in Colorado, which. Colorado's a tough place to play in. I mean, Irwin's been playing lights out this year, so I don't know. Um, I mean, I'm, I'm, I think I'm personally going to wait another week to get Gerard, but um, I think that the 3-4-3 is, <clears throat> excuse me, the 3-4-3 is doing well right now. Your Giovinco, Piotti, Finlay, Fellhaber, I would, I would have never had Hussidic, but I think if you do anything with LA right now with that, you drop Hussidic and get uh, Legit. I think that that could be a very good upgrade give you some extra cash um, to potentially upgrade either defense or maybe Piotti after the bye week. Yeah, with the, with the people that you've listed, um, that you already have, Gianco, Piotti, Finley, and Fellhaber, I would stick with a 3-5-2 um, just because even though we do need a bigger sample size, like, like we're saying, um, the chances are out of Gerard, Lampard, Pirlo, somebody out of that group is going to be worth having. And you haven't even gotten into Kaká yet, who, when he's at home, bounces right back into form. So I think having the five midfielders stacked like you do um, is going to give you a lot better kind of leverage during the year to, to bring in a guy out of form or bring in a guy that's got a good home fixture. Uh, when you go to 3-4-3, three, three, it, it really does tie you up. You really have to be married to those three big strikers. So, yeah. Yeah, and the difference between Keane and Gerard is 1.4 million. I don't know. For me, I don't know. I'm leaning towards trying to find space for Keane up top with his form. I don't know. It is two away games, and maybe in Colorado he struggles, but I think against Houston he gets a couple goals. I don't know. I would I would lean towards 3-4-3 personally, but I've been running the 3-4-3 for a while, so maybe I just like it. Yeah, I'm also on the 3-4-3 train. Um, I don't think you necessarily have to have three gigantic strikers either. There's plenty in that six to seven million range that aren't like great, but 
at least are playable. Um, if you really need to spend the money on your midfield, on your four midfielders. Yeah, I would ditch Husidic, man. That's That guy is not guaranteed a starting spot much longer, and even as is, is not like a like a great play. I, I want to know who your defense is. I want to know whose defense is because that seems like there. It seems to me that there's a little bit of money tied up in the defense. So I'm curious Hot to garbage. Know, yeah, I'm curious <laughs> to know what what defenders he has that that are a little higher point. Maybe you could ditch one of them and Hussidic, and then take a negative four and get Keen up top. And I don't think you necessarily nope. have to. I think there's an X factor to this question that we touched on a little earlier, and and that's the the legit element. And we had Ramblin' Ann who was talking in the forum about a kind of different way of looking at finding value. You got Legit at a, a bottom basement price that we've already talked about. What is it in like the 6-6 six, six something? Yeah, he's 6-6 six, six right now. And, and Gerard's at 10. So if you're looking at a, a, the lowest midfielders are going to be 4 million. What Ramblin' Ann was saying is, well, essentially I'm spending 2.6 for Legit and I'd be, be spending 6 million just from that that what, what Anne referred to as discretionary funds to to get this guy in, and with the production of a 6.6 million player, you could almost wait off to see some more of what Gerard's doing for you. You're, you're paying a lot of money for that name, so I think you could easily bring in Keen if you wanted to do that, and then bring in Legette and kind of ride that wave while it's still going. Yeah, that's a good point. So our next one comes from Diaz Donuts. I like that name. Uh, he says. Um, What's up with Simon? He's no longer putting up consistently with his high CBI numbers that made him fantasy gold in the past four weeks. He's been outscored and out-CBI'd by Cabrera on the Montreal back line. Even with an upcoming double game week coming, is Simon droppable? Uh, yeah, he's droppable at this point, I think. I still think he's a solid fantasy player. I honestly haven't watched Montreal for these games when, uh, what's this guy, Cabrera? when he's been playing so I don't really know if he's is he actually taking more of the CBIs if that's the case then yeah of course Simon is droppable um, even so I would keep him through this next week just because they play Seattle at home and yeah we all know the state of Seattle's attack right now like you, you pretty pretty much like 90% chance of a clean sheet so Maybe keep him one more week, and then you could ditch him, mostly just because of the money. I don't think it's really wise to have more than, like, five, six million tied up in a single defender at this point. Yeah, I I actually dropped him a couple weeks ago when I heard news that Montreal was backing out of his health care insurance agreement with his wife that they, I guess, I don't know exactly know the full story, but some to the effect that his wife is pregnant he agreed to go to Montreal as long as he got full benefits from France. Uh, moving from France and Canada paid for everything. And I guess that Montreal supposedly is backing out of the, that agreement. And I've actually watched the past couple of Montreal games, and it personally to me looks like he just doesn't care. He doesn't want to play for a team that isn't you know, uh, going on their word. But he honestly has not been producing for, I want to say, at least a month now. And I think that there are much better value players. At, I think he's what seven point seven point four, seven point six, something like that. Seven point seven. Seven point seven. So I think you can get you know get a Toya, who's probably going to get you a clean sheet and maybe some BPs, and spend that money elsewhere in your lineup. Yeah, I didn't know about the uh, 
the healthcare thing. I, I just figured Canada covered that, but um, <laughs> <laughs> no, not, I kind of correlated. Yeah, I kind of correlated uh, Simon's drop with the um, re-edition of uh, Dominic Oduro because once Oduro came back from injury, I've watched the last few games also for Montreal. They've really it's shown how slow Jack Mack is. Um, Oduro up top, he's really kind of changed the pace of the game, and it's they're they're kind of more prone to counterattack, and they're not playing that real slow uh, build-up play where he was getting those CBIs. So. With their new favored striker, it's it is a different system that they're playing up there, and I'm I'm going to drop them this week and cash out on the gains that I've gotten from them. I'm definitely guilty of not watching a Montreal game for at least a month, so I can't really say <laughs> too much about you know their state. Um, looking at it as I always do from a I can't say it. So uh, by the way, during your last like that long conversation, I drank like half of a huge bottle of beer. So. <laughs> I've uh, gone so from buzz to drunk. So, um, <laughs> this is so, a guy's, guy's YouTube channel. What's going on? So Miazga is a player I would be looking at at 5.8 million. He's on a buy this week. If if uh, if Simon's your biggest problem this week, congratulations. You have a good team. Um, nothing. I wouldn't freak out about it. Um, next week I would trade him for Miazga. I think that's the way to go. Miazga's, you know, 5.8, playing much better, getting the bonus points you want from Simon. Nope, Double week coming up after that, so that's what I would do. Great after this discussion, idea. I feel like I need to, pl- to plug in right here. If you guys, anyone listening, don't have MLS Live, consider getting MLS Live. I, I think it's a great value, especially if you get it early, but you can get 20-minute recaps of the games, so there's almost no excuse for not seeing a bunch of these games once you have MLS Live. So I have MLS Live, and I've never watched... No excuse! I've watched one. I've watched one, and that was like two years ago. I, just, I should probably do that. Let's go 20-minute recaps. You get five games in an hour and just, just slam your soccer addiction right there. Uh, so the next question comes from BitNomad, and I, I like this question because it shows some forethought and just trying to look at the comprehensiveness of what is U.S. soccer. And he says, is there anyone that you're considering rotating because of the extra workload due to the Open Cup, the All-Star Game, or stupid scrimmages slash the international con- con- whatever those things are, the ICC games, the Guinness, whatever it's called now? I hate that I have to go first in this one because I really haven't thought about this too much. I have uh, Kamara and Failhaber, I think, are the biggest players I have that are really tied up in Open Cup and All-Star stuff, so um, I won't be rotating it out because I really haven't had time to, to consider the, the consequences. That's a sad question, sad answer, sorry. That's all I got. Um, I don't know. I'm sorry, my answer is bad. I have no idea. I don't really pay attention. I probably should, but I have too much stuff going on. Um, I, oh, the only time I ever pay attention is if the games go to 120 minutes, and then I look, I'm like, uh, I hope this guy didn't play 120 minutes. Yeah, and then I cry, so. Um, <laughs> uh, this going be hard to follow up these answers. Um... <laughs> Honestly, I would I would just look at your you know the I mean the, you figure the All Star game everyone's gonna be playing forty five minutes because they're just gonna rotate it. Um, the ICC games, 
which is what Barcelona versus um, LA Galaxy, Newcastle versus Portland Timbers 2. So, and, and I could really only see you know those players maybe even playing 45 minutes as well. Um, Open Cup, there's only a couple teams in it now. Um, but, I mean, I don't really think you have much to worry about except for maybe, you know, Keane, uh, Javier Morales, and, you know, I mean, those are the only two I can really think of that are going to be major contributors to any team. Um, but, yeah, I would just kind of look at, I mean, I don't think they're going to be play, playing more than 45 minutes on each of those games unless it's U.S. Open Cup. Yeah, I wouldn't. I wouldn't worry too much about it. Um, you know, and, and the whole point of this whole collective bargaining agreement thing was supposed to be that we're raising these guys' salaries enough now to where all they do is play soccer. So it's no longer that these guys are out of shape coming into the year that it's this big deal. I mean, yeah, it's the European model is there's multiple cup games during the week, and then you play the the league match on the on the weekend. So. Your big players, the you know, if you got Keen or you got V or something, you know, those players are going to play on the weekend because that's what they're paid to do. Maybe some of your ancillary players, the real cheap options, might not get a start, but overall, I'm not too concerned about it. Just check your injury reports. Yeah, I think guy makes a good point. I'll, I'll chime in some here since a couple of you guys aren't keeping up with what's going on. Uh, with the International Champions Cup, you're only looking at San Jose, L.A., and New York as the teams that are in that. I, I do think that the idea of those being just sort of glorified scrimmages is is really the best way to look at it. I don't think it's going to be super competitive. I don't think you'll have to worry too much about the guys in those games. Uh, if you don't keep up with the Open Cup, you've got New York versus Philly coming up. You've got Chicago versus Orlando, and you've got Sporting KC versus Houston. Uh, New York has already said that it's going to be filling like a, a, an A roster for that game, so they're going to come out swinging in this. Maybe keep an eye on New York, but they're not playing this week, I don't believe. So, no, no New York already played today. Right, well, they're not playing yeah, in, New- uh, it, for, for this weekend with us, with MLS. No, but New York lost to Philly on penalties today already, so... so there we go. Um, I haven't even looked at the score yet. <laughs> so, yeah. they're gone. Um, so, check the, the lineups for those which I have not done yet, and see if anybody went extra long. Um, but I think I think the, the cup would be some of the effect, but there's a lot of teams that have some good space for rest between this this round and the next one and all those things. I don't think it's going to be that big of an issue. I think the double game weeks, I think we've seen, have been more of an issue for the players to deal with in these extra little, little tournaments that, that we're in. Yep. Our next question came from Twitter. This came from at SSNYder467. Snyder467. I thought there was maybe a New York reference in that at first. But anyway, the question is, uh, several of us are, are also playing some head-to-head leagues. So what's the difference that we're considering when we're picking our trades based on head-to-head versus a classic league? How do you guys approach that? Do you guys approach that? Do you do much with head-to-heads? No, so every year that up until this year, I've played a head-to-head strategy where um, you can kind of see how your how your opponent has already done, how many transfers. So if you know your opponent went negative four, then you go negative four. Um, you can you can plan out who you're going to play playing against, who they're going to captain, all that. Um, I now that I'm just playing in mind for the classic score, I'm actually in first place in my work league in my head-to-head league. So I wouldn't even consider head-to-head 
typical strategy where I would just go just go classic and, and do the best moves for the best players um, and try to limit your hits. I have never once considered what trade I should make on a head-to-head league. I just it doesn't even register for me. Uh, it's just for fun. Maybe that's not 100 percent true. If it's my son or this guy I work with, sometimes I want to like, rub their face in the dirt a little bit. But I really, you know, as guy said, I I just look at who's the best player that I can possibly come up with. That's it. I don't really think about uh, the differentials so much for head-to-head. That's really what it is. You try to find players that they might not pick up in hopes that you can come ahead of them. Yeah, I agree. Same thing. Yeah, I just take the the classic uh, approach. And if you're just playing head-to-head, then yeah, go with those strategies the guys were just talking about. But, I mean, I want to say I'm in like 3,500 um, classic leagues and only three head-to-head leagues, so I really don't have a strategy for head-to-head. Copy whatever they're doing. Makes the most sense. Yeah, no, the, last year in the head-to-head, though, like, we didn't... None of us were doing that well in our work league, so it wasn't uncommon for us to go ahead and just, like, I'm going to lose this week. I'm going to take a negative 32 <laughs> to... No, I mean, seriously, if you, if you just want to take a wild card on your team, if you're only playing head-to-head to win some money at work or win some money with your friends, you know, take a loss, take a negative 32, wild card your team, and then come back the next week and... Try to win five out of six, and that loss is no longer that important. Yeah, now that I'm a playing classic, I would never, ever do that, but it was fun when it lasted. <laughs> I will this one. I just want to throw this out there. Like The idea of a draft league, since we're talking about different types of leagues, I would sure. love to do a draft league. I wish I'd love it, too. I would love I mean, it. I, I know people say that, that for soccer it doesn't work the same. I don't I don't care. I, I think it sounds fun. I really would like to do it. Well, here, let's... let's Let's think about it right now. Maybe next year, depending on what MLS does, maybe we'll give a test run for an R fantasy drafty type league. We'll, we'll put some posts up, put some heads together, see if we can figure some stuff out. Might involve using Google Documents or something, but maybe we'll try to put something like that together. If you guys like that idea, send us a tweet, make some posts on Reddit, let us know. Uh, hashtag MLS fantasy draft league or something like that. Make up your own hashtag. I don't care. But you know, yeah, let us know. Maybe we'll consider that. The funny thing is, like at the end of last fantasy season, I actually started working on a draft league in Google Docs. I don't really know where the Google Docs went, and it's probably all useless at this point. But yeah, sounds awesome. So hashtag Simon fails if you're interested in having a draft league going. <laughs> sounds I've fair. Definitely considered. I mean, we can obviously pull pull the points and stuff from MLS fantasy, so we could use that. I've thought about trying to program something up, but I don't know. I don't know. Uh, the the biggest challenge I, I see for for having it just doing with a pen and paper or, or less automated than than it would be done if MLS did it is of course organizing what time you can make your your trades from the rest of the pool like who has priority who's who who emailed the commissioner at a certain time to be able to be the first dibs on what trade so that would be kind of time consuming um, I might be more of a player of that than necessarily a a leader of that, but I don't know. I've never been a huge fan of fantasy NFL with with the transfer market like that. I usually just didn't use it and just use my original team. <laughs> I like it this way. That's a good point. So our final question before we get to our focus discussions uh, comes from I Waiten, 
And he had a good question about player picks that I think will will just kind of catapult us into our, our picks after our folks' discussion. And so to wet our whistle, here is, should I do whatever it takes to get Keen into my squad, which I kind of did last week myself, uh, even if it means taking a minus eight hit to drop all three of my defenders. In his case, he's looking at Simon, Viafania, and Miyazaga, and to get players who are currently 5.0 or less. Yeah, uh, I, I think you're kind of behind behind the ball on that one, waiting. Um, but, <sighs> I mean, a negative eight to bring in, you know, Keen, I, I don't think it's, I mean, I think Keen is a must-have, but there has to be another way for you to bring him in. I mean, Miazga, he's not going to be playing this week because he's on a bye. Simon, I'm not a big fan of, and Viafana I do really like, but, man, I... <laughs> I would have tried to plan a little bit better. Um, maybe listen to our podcast a little more. You would have. <laughs> come on, you know, a couple weeks ago we were we were talking about this, but um, I, I personally don't think you should do it. I think you should maybe take a couple weeks to revamp your team and do it that way, and then try to do it that way. I don't think it's worth it to because realistically, Keen may score two goals, but then that gives you a zero for bringing Keen in. So what's the point in doing that? No, yeah. It, the the unfortunate thing is you didn't list your midfield. I'm I'm almost positive there's one midfielder that you could take out, um, and make a, a, a to get Keen. Um, but yeah, you you gotta have him. I mean, really, you look at the forwards and everybody's really high on Kamara, but Keen has got back to back hat tricks, man. <laughs> you you gotta have him on your team or you're gonna get passed by. So if you, hey, a negative eight is a negative eight. If you can handle it and you're not really concerned about your your overall ranking. Obviously, do it. Um, if not, look for a, a midfielder that you have that's going to have a couple road fixtures and sub them out and and bring in Keen without without a point hit. I don't know. I just see I just see three cheap defenders and Keen having a bad week. That's like a point eight hit. <laughs> I, don't know. I, I just picture the worst possible. Well, man, it's not the worst possible. I don't know. It could probably be worse, but I don't necessarily think he's worth a minus eight hit. You know. A bunch of hat tricks, great. But I, you know, I I say work into it slowly. I I don't know. I don't think he's worth a minus eight personally. Maybe wait until round twenty seven in the wild card. Right. How far is that away? I don't know. What round is this? That's 26? six rounds away. That's that's way too long. <laughs> is it that no, long? no, it's, it's round twenty three, isn't it? It's um, you know, it's with 97. with with Keen though, if if you take a negative eight to get him, I mean, you then you have to keep him. If you're yeah. going to bring him in for a week, then it doesn't make any sense. But I think Keane's one of those players that you got to have for the long haul. So even if he does get a road fixture where he only gets two or three points, you write it out, you smile about it, and then you wait for the next week when he comes back and gets back on the goals again. Um, you, you can't be wishy-washy when you, when you bring in a player of that caliber for that cost. Against Houston, he's probably going to score another hat-trick. No joke. <laughs> Houston is so bad on, on defense. It's... And they're missing two of their big guys right now. Yeah, I guess if that's okay. six weeks, I don't know. I've never had good luck with picking big strikers when they're going to be hot. It just never works out for me. So I'm not picking up Keen. So, so we'll all get Keen. Time to do it. <laughs> Go ahead. And Captain. Yep, make it happen. Do it. You won't regret it. <laughs> <laughs> Anything to add, Simon? Players don't go well. I do... <clears throat> I do not have anything to add. Sorry about that. Fine. Well, so there's two more topics I want to talk about. Just 
kind of for fun during our focus discussion period here. Um, both of these got some people riled up, especially on Twitter, over this past week. One of them is the all-star roster, and the other one is about uh, methods for finding efficient players for, for fantasy. Uh, so first we'll do the all-star one. Uh, as we all know, there was a huge reaction when the Fan 11 and the commissioner's picks came out. Um, people were upset about who was left off, particularly with the Fan 11 and the justifications for why people from the commissioner's picks were included when there was very little, if any, MLS actual playtime. Some of the reasons are obvious. I know we got, got money and, and ratings and probably contracts to consider with this, but what I'd like for you guys to do is tell me just shortly your reactions to, to this overall situation and who would your all-star starting 11 be? I was a little taken aback by originally when I heard you know Giovinco was left off and Benny Failhaber was left off. It's like how many more snubs is Benny going to get this year? I mean Jesus. But um, but then when I saw a lot of people like Ives uh, tweeting out that it was in the original CBA about adding the two more spots and I mean I get it. You know the MLS All Star Game is supposed to be it's like any other All Star Game. It's supposed to bring a lot of fans there and. I get it with you know Gerard and you no know, Lampard, but then why not Pirlo? And I don't know, but that that was my overreaction. But I get it now. I'm happy that you know the players that deserve to be in it are in it. Um, my All-Star starting eleven, uh, I'm going with a three-five-two, and uh, Fry is in the back. I think he's had a great year. Um, I'm gonna go with Gonzo, Mears, and Viafania for my three back defenders. My midfielders are Benny. Giovinco, Kaká, Javier Morales, and Dempsey. And then my two forwards are Kamara and Keane. Yes, I did leave Via out because of the inconsistencies he's had this year. I think that for his playing time, he's been all over the board, whereas every other player that has played has more points and has been more consistent. Yeah, for myself, you know, when I heard the starting you know, roster spots for the All-Star game. You know, I think that if the MLS is going to build the brand, then we need to have the best players the MLS currently has be on the field because nobody's tuning in to see the MLS All-Stars. Let's, let's... Everybody is tuning in for is to see the team that we're bringing in. You know, nobody cared that, you know, Liam Ridgewell played last year for Portland. They wanted to see Bayern Munich. This year they want to see Tottenham. They want to see the team coming in, and we should have our best players currently playing, playing them. So, you know, giving a spot to Lampard for uh, – I, I don't get it. I mean, to me that's that's a wasted move that somebody else really earned this year. So it, it I think it de-incentivizes a lot of those players, and it's taken money away from them, in all honesty. Um and then when I built my starting 11, I thought it was a fantasy question. So my fantasy uh, all-star team would be Clint Irwin uh, for the price, uh, then Viafania Mir Simon, Javinko Failhaber, Finley Castillo, and then I went uh, Kamara Keane and Via up front. So that would have been who I would have chosen based on fantasy numbers. I mean, obviously I would have put Gonzalez in the back if I was picking an actual fantasy roster, but or all-star roster, but that was my take. Yeah, my take's kind of a hybrid. It's definitely fantasy-centric with some homerism with some revs in there and also some thought of, you know, we should probably have a left back at, you know, maybe, I don't know, maybe. Tierney. Why not? 
So yeah, tyranny. That's the one I came up with. Why not? And that fits two of my categories. So hey, great for me. Um, Fry, goalkeeper, tyranny, Gonzalez, Beasler, and Boswell, which I'm not really sure about him, to be honest, but that's what I came up with. And then uh, midfield would be Dempsey, Jones, Javinko, and Morales, and it kills me to not put Phil Haber on there. I don't know. I might. Which, which Morales? Sorry, Harvey. Pedro Harvey. or Harvey? Okay. Out of boy. Out I love that guy. I don't know. I, I forgot the other dimension was just players that I love to watch, which obviously would put Phil Haber up there. I love Phil Haber. I can't believe he left the Reds. Although he was, he's better at Kansas City than he was at the Reds. That's just reality. Um, and then Kamara and Keen up top. So. Um, for my fantasy, or not fantasy, real, this is like real life. Uh, all-star roster. First, I guess I'll talk about what Guy said. I actually do think it's right for MLS to have like whatever Lampard and Gerrard and all these players that probably would not make the all-star team otherwise. Uh, because it the whole entire point is to get like new people into the game. Everyone knows that all-star games are stupid and don't matter. And they just want to see stars. Uh that's what I want to see when I tune into an all-star game. I want to see boss players doing boss things. So um, I will be happy to watch all of these new players play instead of probably just watching, I don't know, a bunch of, like, also good MLS players, but, like, I don't, like, players that I don't think anyone is super excited to see on the field together. Um, so that's my take on it. I think it's more likely to get a casual fan to watch, which is, like, the whole point, so... Anyway, my team. Uh, Bill Hamid, goalkeeper, best goalkeeper in MLS. Not close. Uh, defenders, Mears, Gonzalez, Beasler, uh, who for some reason never gets talked about anymore. I don't know why. He's incredible. Uh, and Breck Shea, mostly because I feel like I have no clue who's the good left backs in this league. And I felt like while Shea wasn't injured, Tierney. he was uh, Tierney. Should I be talking about Tierney? No. I think Shea's better. While he was playing, he was good. That's the other thing. I didn't take injuries into consideration for this lineup. So midfield, Janino in the middle, uh, Finlay and Failhaber. So three-man midfield, Janino, Finlay, Failhaber. Uh, I think they're like the most important midfielders in the league right now, just in terms of the places they play. And then three forwards, Jovinko, Dempsey, and Keane. So... That's, that's my lineup. A, I'm gonna man. That, that's a that's a very against the grain lineup. I I disagree with a lot of those picks, but I like the against the grain. I like it. I like it, Simon. I mean, Hamid is keeper. Are you kidding me? Oh. Why is that against the grain? Hamid is. It's not even like debatable that he's the best uh, keeper in MLS. That's uh, and see, I will argue like this year, Hamid has been out for what? How many games? I mean, he's been he's been injured for what three or four weeks now. And, I mean, the production, he had what, like, I want to say a stretch of four good games where Fry, Melia, Ramondo, in the times they've played, are way better. Even last year, Hamid getting goalkeeper of the year was garbage. Ramondo had, Ramondo's stats completely destroyed Hamid's in every single category, except I think it was, like, shots per game, and he still won. Man, just, Hamid could step into literally yeah. any <laughs> team in the Premier League and start. Like, just because of his so size. so good. Just because no, he's I was going to say Romano's height is one. Romano's five ten, but I mean the thing is, is that honestly, I think that I don't know. In my opinion, I think that Hamid. 
I think he's one of the most overrated keepers, and I think that that is exactly why he got dropped from USA's lineup. Yeah, and now, you know, Simon, I gotta I gotta disagree though on that. the The whole thing with the All Star, like when I first started watching, I mean, I remember when Everton played in the All Star game. You know, Manu, Chelsea, all these big. Te- that's why I tuned in to watch the game before I was even like a major MLS fanboy. Um, but like, if you look at who's not on them, I mean, like. Maidana is not on the All-Star team. Piatti's on the All-Star team. Um, somehow, uh, what the, Michael Bradley's on the All-Star team because the fans voted him in. DeMar- like, the whole thing is broken. Like, if we had the best, like, Maidana and Piatti playing against Tottenham, how are those guys going to get known if they're never allowed to showcase how good they really are against a top team in the world? And that Tottenham's not a top team in the world, but the casual MLS fan will think so. Um... You know, it's it, it to me. It just it it just doesn't make any sense. Like it's you're trying to make money based on what people have done in other leagues. So even though we want to say we're like we're oh we're a big league now we're we're a top four league in the world, well then stop promoting everybody from everybody else's league to the top of the table when our own players here are doing a good job and deserve to be seen. That's my that's my thing. It it, it did piss me off. I I didn't I didn't like it at all. I was added to that. I don't think Gerard and Lampard should be on the team. I think you have to play at least a few games, you know, to show that you really deserve it. I, I, that just annoys me. I'm okay with Gerard being on the roster because um, he is playing and he, and he is doing is doing well. Lampard has done nothing. I don't think he should be there. Yeah. I uh, I had a hard time getting 11 guys because there are so many guys. Like I wish I could have picked like 18. To, to have there, but I would definitely go Keen and Kamara up front. I think you have to give respect to Kamara for being the top goal scorer right now, and uh, and Keen is just such a powerhouse that that he deserves to be there. Uh, the midfield was really hard for me. There's there's so many great midfielders I'd love to see there. If we're talking about all star quality right now, I I think Benny and Finlay should be there. They've They've done great for their teams, and I think it, it's it's nice to be able to to honor that with with an All Star appearance. Uh, so Benny and Finley would definitely be on my team. Geo has to be there. Um, no if ands or buts. Geo is an All Star, if not the All Star of of the the league right now. Uh, for for a fourth slot, a lot of a lot of tough choices. Uh, Dempsey and Bradley are definitely two that I would probably slot in as as just classics that. Dempsey's been here for a while. Bradley's been here for a little while. They're, they're great fixtures of the national team. But, I mean, like you guys have mentioned, Maidana, um, Diaz, people like that are two names that jumped to mind right away that, that could could be there. I mean, even Papa's been great for Seattle. That I mean, you need, or Alonzo, you need somebody out there to be to be a, some some uh, defensive mid to help us out. Beckerman. Beckerman. Beckerman things like that. I mean, those, How could you forget Beckerman? There's, there's, so, it's, it's the hair. I don't know. Um, this, Gordon's but lost. it was hard, and uh, that forced me. If I did five in the midfield, forced me to look at three guys for defense. Uh, strangely enough, right defense is where I had the hardest time picking somebody. But I would also go Tierney. First thought I had when it when it comes to to left backs, uh, Shea would definitely be up there. And then uh, isn't Robbie Rogers playing left back right now? Is he on the right side? He's a left back. Left. The, yeah. Those those are three names I think of when I'm picking of left backs that you could look at for MLS. I would go Beasler Gonzalez for. For my two centers, hands down. Right, I don't know if I had to pick a right instead of five midfielders. Uh, maybe I'd go with Evans. I really like Evans. Could can I get Mears? Come on. 
Mirrors, Mirrors is good too. I mean, is it is it possible for me to get maybe a short-term loan from maybe a current Tottenham player to come back to MLS? <laughs> I like it. I like it. Uh, but yeah, so that was fun. Um, but definitely I was much more happy when the full rosters came out of, of the people who were picked. A couple of guys still got stubs. Sorry, Finlay's not on the team. But the full roster I definitely like a lot more than the initial fans starting 11. Who's your keeper? Oh, sorry. Alstead. Ooh. Yeah, I knew Alstead for keeper. I mm. like him. But I like the Irwin pick that you guys mentioned before, too. Quality guy. Fun on Twitter. So our final question that uh, was was really great to interact with on Twitter. If you didn't see it, uh, look back through some of the feeds, especially the guy had. But so we're this basically comes down to finding efficient players when we're trying to make your picks. So a guy made a good post that got pretty pretty critical of our favorite goal scorer, Kai Kamara. And uh, if you watched his recent YouTube video, he goes into it in a bit more detail there. But it kind of all boils down to Kamara is wasteful of the chances that he gets, especially in the area of the box that he is getting most of them in. So if, if you want to just pick it up from here, Guy, and kind of give people a little explanation of what we're going to talk about. Yeah, so basically, um, I was looking at Kamara this week, and people are so high on him. And, you know, I watch all their games, and he's just not, meeting the eyeball test for me. So I went and did some digging, and I looked at his shots, and he gets 4.5 shots on average a game. But the interesting thing was is like 3.1 of his shots were coming from the penalty area. All right, well, that means for his total goal output, if you if you made it look like a batting average, he's only basically batting 220 from all the shots he's taking. And that's by far from all the major strikers I looked at, that's the lowest total or the lowest average of anybody out there. Everybody else who gets a shot from the penalty area, I mean, is 50-50 putting it in. And Kamara's wasteful. And I think this weekend when I was looking at it, you know, he only got two goals against Chicago. So everybody was all up in arms like, oh, Kamara's so great. I think if you put Keane <laughs> against Chicago twice, not only is he getting like back-to-back hat tricks, but he's probably adding a few assists on there too. So I, I took some heat from it. Um People really like Kamara. I mean, he's a good guy. He's a, he's a decent player. I'm not saying he's he's garbage or anything, but he's just a very wasteful player. So I'm looking at, as I build my team going forward off of the double game week, is he a guy that I want on my team? And I I, I said no, and people didn't like that. So let me ask you, a guy. Just I'm just this is just a pure question. Uh, we're were headers and, um, you know, like, I don't know, I guess you said, like maybe deflected shots taken into account because, I mean, you know, if someone crosses it in, which I know Finlay has, I think he crosses, I want to say it's like, you know, like nine times a game, does, you know, are a lot of those shots headers that have just glanced wide on the post? I mean, how many shots are on frame compared to that? How many shots aren't? I mean, is there, just, I'm just curious out of my own, you know, curiosity well, for that. I, so um, the stat that I was looking at didn't cover that part of it. Now there is a stat for the headers one and there, I didn't look at those. Um, but it was just shots, shots per game. So if he's averaging four point shots, 4.5 shots per game, 3.1 of them, whether by be by head or by foot are coming from the penalty area. And the fact that he's, he's only, you know, his conversion rate is 22%. When you look at that stat is, is, is super low to me. So it's not an exact, it's a probability stat. It's a probability efficiency stat. So it's not like all of his shots are coming from that area, but per X amount of shots that he gets in the penalty area, you can expect X amount of goals. Well, 22% is awfully low. 
And yeah, no, it's valid. Yeah, it's a valid. And stat. the thing, the thing was, is when I looked at the first game that they played in Chicago, he had eight shots, four of them were on target, and it was a one-zero game. So when he wants to be selfish and take all the shots, they don't do well. The second game, he has two shots, both of them are on target, but everybody else got involved. Eight players took shots that game. They won it easily three-one. I mean. There was that moment where he was fighting with Iguain to take the penalty kick. Like, Iguain finally said, dude, you get enough shots. Let me have a PK here. And once he lets everybody else kind of build around him and get some get some space, the shots he was able to take were quality shots because it was coming from all angles from everybody else. I think when he's selfish and he goes the eight shots per game route, he's not a guy worth having. And people are, oh, but he gets so many chances. And that's that's – I want chances – Chances aren't all created equal. So I think Kamara proved that this weekend. And then once that happened, people didn't say anything to me. But I think that I had some valid reasoning there. Now, the PK part's a good point. But some of what I want to consider about that second game is, is that a difference between home and away? Is that an away game where some of the guys are playing back, wanting to make sure they keep something clean on the road against against Chicago or anybody, versus you're at home, you want to go out big, perform for your fans, is, is that something to factor into if you're going to be having relying on one guy taking all the shots or everybody trying to get in on it? You know, I don't... After having watched both games, I think the first game where he was just being kind of selfish in, the, in, the, in his shot selection and, and the volume of shots he was taking, and then, you know, that whole game that it was all set when Iguain just had to hold onto the ball and say, like... We're bros, but this is my shot. And then I think everybody else got involved, and it was a much more complete performance. Yeah, there was the red card against Chicago, but that was later in the game. Um, the thing is, I can't trust somebody like Kamara to go ahead and be deferential like that, to say, okay, well, I'll let these guys get some shots this game. I mean, it was Chicago twice. And the fact that he only got two goals with the amount of shots he's taking, that just shows how inefficient he can be. And he is lucking into goals sometimes. But now you can see why when he gets two points on the regular, it's because he's not taking quality chances all the time. So, But a 9.5, yeah. I think that it's a steal. When you, I was just looking on, on the forwards list. I mean, you have Kamara, Wright, Phillips, and Villa at the top three. Rivero hasn't scored a, a goal since game week 17. Iguain is next at 89 points, but still 10.5. Adi is next at 82. And then you have Namath at 81. I mean, it's I think for the price and the output, it's 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 kind of a legit scenario for that price. Well, I think Kamara started out. I want to say at what 8.5 or eight? eight? I think he started at eight, eight. Exactly. Well, so the thing I mean, is, but he's he's been healthy though, so he's had a lot. He's had a long time to accumulate those stats. We look at how fast Keen is rising up. Sure. And the you know the thing with Keen is he's very efficient. Like. His efficiency stat compared to Kamara's is 22% versus 44% when he takes a shot in the box. So, yeah. you know, who's when the, King gets a hat trick... Who's the best um, in the league for percentage on shots and goals? I, I would have to go... I have to find a better way of, of filtering it. I was looking at players uh, one at a time. It might be Keen. I did some of those numbers the other night. Uh, I don't really have them handy anymore, but I think Keen was definitely up there. Of course, getting two hat tricks back-to-back games helps... A lot with that, but I mean, there's some charts that uh, at experimental three six one put together 
for MLS soccer attack effectiveness, and I'll link that in, in the post after this. Uh, and I went ahead and took those numbers and carried them on to the current game week. And so we have several teams who, if you look at shots taken per match versus shots taken per goal scored, or would be considered constant threats in the league. And so we've got New York, we've got Columbus right up there, we've got Toronto, and then kind of near the edge where you start to get uh, kind of, kind of uh, just slow and, and methodically, but we've got Sporty Kansas City, Montreal, New York City, and Orlando are all guys who are taking a lot of shots per match, uh, and they're getting some, some decent shots also per goal numbers. Uh, so Columbus is up there. Can we not say you got to take shots to get goals? Because I think that's the classic argument refuting this is, hey, he's taking shots, he's going to get goals just from law of averages. It's a statistic. But if you put that same, I mean, the fact that all those shots ended up being a 1-0 victory against Chicago, it, it just, the chances aren't all created equal. And I think there's other models out there that show that there's a better way to go about having better shots. And yeah, give him credit, he gets the chances, but he's not getting attacking bonuses for taking all those shots. Sure. You know, it's it's not like it's... um you know, giving anybody any any major bumps when he's not scoring. So if those shots happen to go in, and more often than not they don't, <laughs> you're, you're really reliant on the goals. And, yeah, he had two goals in, in two games against Chicago. Very wasteful, I, I think, on his it part. It might be better, instead of looking at shots per match, maybe shots on target per match versus the, the shots taken per goal scored. Because then they were looking at actual quality shots and not just skying something over the goal. Uh, but I will say, if he's taking a lot of shots, if he's getting connections made in, in the box, because that's a crucial area, in the box, those are bonus points, potential bonus points for the guys crossing them. So your Finlays, people could be getting more points off of that. No, yeah, definitely. I mean, there's, there's, there's 100 so ways to look at it. More high, highly yeah. to the midfielders sending in balls, if you have a guy who maybe he's wasting his energy with shots, but does that give you, from a fantasy point of view, more chances at getting better scores from the guys providing service? Like Finley, yeah. Now Finley, obviously, you know his key passes, his crosses, they're always going to be high, and there's always somebody willing to take the shot. But whether they're just letting the possession go instead of maybe holding it up and taking a more quality chances, it, that that to me just bothered me. So, you know, I mean, yeah, when he first started out, maybe he was a better value, but for me now, I, I don't think that I'll have him long term. But uh, be warned, if you go out and create your own stat against somebody people like, woo! <laughs> They'll get you on Twitter. Uh, well, if it makes you feel any better, I yeah, think what you said vocal. made a lot of sense. I, I'm more definitely more willing to consider dropping Kamara at this point than I might have been in the past thinking of that. Because it is, um, that, that is something to consider for people who are actually effective at, at making goals, or maybe we should say efficient at making goals, and uh, not this, just throwing everything out there. Yeah. If you're interested in stats like this, of course, if you other guys want to say something, feel free to. But if you're interested in stats like this, especially uh, goal-scoring zones, head on over to MLS Fantasy Boss to the 11th hour posts that I put up every week. Go down to the SB Nation section. Second link, we've got MLS Advanced Statistics. This is from just the general SB Nation site. Uh, it's put together by Michael Calley. You can hit him on Twitter at at MC underscore of underscore a he has all kinds of of statistics where he breaks down the attacking bonuses or not bonuses attacking defensive and just people being fancy with 
with the uh, different zones of the field that goals are coming from. Great stuff. Anything else you guys want to add before we move on to the fun part? No, I'm good. Let's go. All right. If you want Guy to pick apart somebody else next week, hit him up on Twitter and tell him who you think needs to be dissected. Uh, so now we're getting into our player picks. We've had a lot of conversation, so guys, let's just jump right into it. Uh, who are your favorite keepers and defenders for round 21? Uh, my keeper would be Evan Bush. I was looking at his stats. Um, he's at home. They're pretty, I think they've only had, not had one clean sheet, and he's still getting... Uh, I'm sorry, not one clean sheet. Um, but at home, they're doing very well, and he uh, he's a bonus point machine. He's getting 60. He has 64 saves right now, which is five less than um, the next highest keeper. I think plus their schedule is very favorable. Um, and defenders, I still think you go cheap with a uh, Woodbury and a Polster. I think that they're both playing each other this week, and I think it could end up being a 0-0 or a 5-5 game. But regardless, they're cheap, and they start, and you'll probably get a clean sheet from one of them. Yeah, my keeper, I'm going to stick with Malia for, for the long haul here. Um, so even though he's playing away to RSL, yeah, I'll probably get two points out of him, but that's not it's not worth making a transfer for me to chase a clean sheet, so I'm going to leave it. And my only real defender that I'm going to recommend is Viafania. Everybody else in, in my lineup's kind of in flux, so I'm going to go with uh, Viafania because he's still taking set pieces. And uh, Will Johnson will be out, so he'll even get more chances at set pieces this week. Yeah, on the defensive end, I like Sporting Kansas City. I think Malia is the best price schedule option at five million. He's not bad. Um, I think going forward, he's the best option. Uh, but at the same time, don't. I, I think the goalkeeper is the last position you trade for. So make sure everything else is set. Um, same with Ellis for Kansas City. He's been picking up a lot of bonus points. Uh, $6.5 million is a little expensive for, for defenders if you're going cheap with defenders, but you know, don't go get Woodbury and lose a bunch of value on your team. <laughs> so at 6.8 form, $6.5 million I think is a good pickup, personally. Um, Miazga's great as well. Cheaper, but he has a buy this week. So if you can hold off on defense for this week and you don't have Miazga, pick him up next week. That'd be a better pick, personally. My pick for keepers and defenders are Montreal because Seattle. <laughs> I agree with that. It's gonna be okay, man. It's gonna be all right. Ouch, that's gotta hurt. So let's move on to defend or to midfielders then, Simon. Uh, my picks for midfielders. I did not think about this, I have to be honest. I thought about the entire rest of the podcast, but not, not this part. So I will say Giovinco, because he's good. I'm sorry, safe, that's safe. really, really unhelpful. Yeah, I, uh, <laughs> I really think that, you know, your, your typical five, your Benny Philhaber, Giovinco, um, Javier Morales, Finlay, and um, it's actually, I want to see, is Kaka, are they back this week? Yes, and they're playing New York City uh, in New York City, so I think Kaka could be a great differential pick. Yeah, I'm going to, you know, I think my only, the only guy I've got nailed down right now is Juvinko. 
my midfield is is up for grabs. I could I could easily trade out Valeri or Finley or Ship. Um, so, you know, and Giovinco, you know, I've seen a lot of people on Reddit uh, posting this week that they're going to ship Giovinco out. They're going to bring in dumb, 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 dumb. Yeah, it's just it's just <laughs> dumb, a dumb, dumb move. Dumb, dumb. You know, the fact that we dumb. can be that you can be indignant that the guy only got you a goal last week. Yeah, you need to get you know some baby powder on a hand and get slapped in the face because <laughs> it just shows you how good he is. When when you really are upset that he only got you seven points, that's that's so selfish. He's the best player on the field anytime he takes the pitch. So, but guy, he cost six. He cost twelve. He's so expensive. Aww, you'd be getting me seventeen but, points a game. That's why my that's why my team is now one hundred twenty six point five because you stick with players like Giovinco. Little Preach. pro tip there for you. Build your value. <laughs> yeah, so midfield, there's so many options, really. Um, I like Diaz and Castillo, although I think Dallas has a buy game coming up. Um, yeah, they do. Down. Gio's crazy expensive. He's good. Gerard is expensive, but had a good game. I think he will continue to have good games. Um, I... I Legit, let Lejet, Leger, I don't know how to pronounce his name. Um, 6.6 million budget option. I think that's actually a really good choice. I think he's going to get lifted by the rest of LA. Um, Piatti's always a good option. Finlay's a good option. I mean, there's so many things to choose from. It's really a, kind of a, a smorgasbord. It's a grab bag of midfielders. Why don't you just keep us going, Jason, with forwards? Uh, I'm running with Keane, David Villa, and Kamara. I think. I don't know. The KBK line kind of drops off pretty hard after that. Um, Rivero's let everyone down. I mean, who else is in the conversation after that? That's a good point. Um, you know, Bradley Wright Phillips always has the potential of scoring big, but there's not a lot of huge options out of that I can think of. I don't know. Simon? I am going with Keen via Kamara. Shockingly. I do have those same three, but now listening to Guy and taking pro advice from a guy who's in the top 20, now I'm heavily considering taking Kamara out and bringing Gerard in. So thank you, Guy, for just messing my entire week's plans up again. Don't, don't, don't put that on me. Do it's not put that on me. I just did. I just did. I just did. <laughs> and I'm going to Captain Gerard yeah. just, just to do it. So <laughs> No, that's that's cold. You know, because Kamara, they're, they're going to play against Toronto this week, and, and Toronto's got a notoriously bad um, defense. So if you kept Kamara this week, I mean, it's not the end of the world. Um, that's a I, never, I never picked him up. So <laughs> yeah, no, I'm not going to pick him up by any means. I'm just saying if you already had him, there are worse options you could have this week than having Kamara against Toronto. But I'm just going to stick with Keane and Villa uh, up front for myself. I'm going to go with the two main strikers. Yeah, Villa got two points last week, but that's to be expected. Like, I don't expect guys to have braces every game. you you got to ride out the two-point games and then just be glad you had them when they go back and score big. So, Except for Giovinco. Yeah, oh, yeah, he only got me one goal, so that that's was ridiculous. so disappointing. Screw that can't, be- can't believe it. I'm dropping him. God damn it. Some people... 
I'm surprised, Jason, you didn't mention uh, our favorite player, or, or as, as from MLSFI's point of view, our, our favorite player, uh, Quincy Ameriquois. So you're not going to make your punts list this time. Uh, Vancouver struggled a little bit at home, and Quincy got a couple of goals last week. I know, yeah. And I, I mean, yeah, thanks, Quincy, for favoring that tweet. We'd love to have you back on the show. It'd be great. Um, I'm actually going to be doing my punts um, tomorrow morning. I apologize, guys. My my boss was in town, so I actually had to do work for once. So, yeah, sorry about that. Not a problem. Yeah, so a little twist on our must-have section this time. Uh, Chris J.D. Grady was asking us, with all these premium attacking options delivering right now, is it possible to fit them all in? Which ones are we going to prioritize as being essential at this moment? So I know Guy had mentioned last week that he really – has has it hard to find more than two people as as essential? But let's 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 look at that. Like, is there somebody you're going to try to prioritize fitting in with so many great options? Yeah, and you know, I th go ahead. Yeah, I think that you know people misuse the word must have. Um, I, I like prioritize a little bit better. Just I'm really looking at this guy tough. Not necessarily I have to have him, but that's a guy that's really on my radar. Yeah, in my opinion, there's only two must haves, and that's Jovinko and Keen. I mean, those are the two guys that are going to get you the most price rises and have the most potential to just go off for a hat-trick in a game. So those are must-haves. Everybody else is really expendable. I mean, yeah, you can prioritize them up the list, but if you start looking at your team as, well, I have to have this guy because he's on my favorite team, or I have to have this guy because he's such a good value, then you get saddled with Woodbury for five weeks when he's just getting, you know... I still believe... Yeah, well, you know, you still believe, but how much did your team value drop? You know, I mean, that's there's there's those little things where it's like don't don't get stuck in a must-have mentality too much because um, you don't want to stagnate your team. Like I have Valeria on my team right now, and I love the guy, but he's got to go. I mean, there's no reason to put ten points anything on on my on my roster just because he's wearing a Portland jersey with the level of output he's he's had in. So. You know, don't. Simon, you need to record that element, uh, turn it into a ringtone, and send it out to all your Sounders friends. Oh, that's 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 cold. I uh, I may just do that. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, I would love to have dinner with Diego and his wife, and uh, uh, but uh, yeah, you know. <laughs> no, it, fantasy you said, wise. You said Dempsey and his wife? Oh, Dempsey. Okay, that's what I thought. Oh, that's what I thought too. Yeah, weird. What? I don't know. I've said too much stuff about his rap album. That'd be really awkward. Um, what if he just started like freestyling at the table, and I'd be like, "Oh God!" I would just leave. I would just walk away. But right. Really stick God. to playing soccer. So yeah, must-haves. Be careful with it. Um, you know, it's okay to have a couple, but don't don't bury yourself in saying that everybody is essential and everybody needs to be locked down. Because no, you, you won't be able to afford it, and you'll hate the rest of your team for keeping four or five guys as must-haves the entire time. So. Try to be a little more fluid than that. Anybody else want to jump in on that? I think it's a great... I mean, I, I agree with you 100%. There's so many players that are consistent across the board. Your Javier Morales, your Benny Fellhabers, your Finlays, which are great players, but, I mean, I mean, Giovinco is fantastic. Keen is going to get, honestly, even better with both the both of the additions and with Legette in his rising form. I think that Via could potentially be a must-have once Lampard and uh, Pirlo come in just because of the caliber of play that they are. And I think they'll have the, you know, uh, Gerard effect, I guess you could say. But they're unproven right now in MLS. So 
for that reason and that reason alone, Keen and Giovinco, the only players. Good. Yeah, I think we can all agree on that. So we'll move on to our next one. And anybody have an early captain pick for round this round? Keen. Yeah, it's it, it's going to be real hard to go against Keen. Um, only other guy I would uh, that I would consider is uh, that would be at home against Orlando. Orlando does really horrible work on the road, uh, so it's I'm, I may end up flipping a coin come Friday. <laughs> and if it's you should, you should Keen, Twitter. Yeah. <laughs> you should. Keen and V are actually leading the MLS. Uh, well, that's no, the R Fantasy MLS poll right now for for captains. Keen has ten votes, Via has nine votes, and Gio has six votes. Yeah, you know, Giovinco, he he can score on the road. I mean, this hat trick was against New York on the road, so he's fixture proof. That's for sure. All right, so we're gonna finish up this questions or this pick section with some quick player questions that we had uh, that I didn't think really fit in the last section. So. Um, I'll just ask this to one person. If you, if anybody else wants to chime in with an answer, feel free to do it. But we'll just kind of make this one go quick. So, uh, LeBlue USA wants to know. Have the you answer this this uh, Antioch? He says, uh, "Geralis out for Gerard uh, for the next two weeks. Uh, do I go with Diaz Camara or take a minus four and get Lejet and Keen?" So he's dropping Geralis. Yeah, I mean, I think that they both have horrible fixtures. The next two fixtures, or I'm sorry, the next two away fixtures. Um, Hey, if that you know, if that's what you want to do with Gerard for Gerales, hey, it's a you know, do your thing, man. Um, and then the next two weeks, do you go Diaz and Kamara, or take a negative four and go Legit and Keen? I mean, that puts you with Gerard, Legit and Keen, and I get it, they're high powered, but I mean, man, like put uh, you're investing, I mean, almost what, I mean, close to a third of your team in just three LA Galaxy attacking players. That to me is. I think it's a little obnoxious with Legit. I get the you know the value, but I mean Diaz has a has a bye week, and now I'm rethinking everything about Kamara. Thank you guys. So hey, why not go with Legit and Keen? And if it goes wrong, blame it on Guy. <laughs> well, I may put my money where my mouth is. I may cause I already have Keen Legit, um, and Valeri for Gerard is looking real awesome right about now. <laughs> so I may have an obnoxious lineup. Uh, I, Say it now. It may be obnoxious, but um, I feel good because I don't like LA. That the fact that I have this much faith in their ability to produce, that it's a clean decision. You know, if I was going for Portlanders, I would need to be slapped. But when you see LA put up the numbers they've been putting up lately, it's hard to argue with their results and their form. So negative four for Legit Keen, I say go for it. So next question is uh, for for Jason. He says, this is from my own bobblehead, who says, I have Viafania, Ellis, and Miyazaga as my back three with Duty and Woodbury on the bench. Uh, does Woodbury against Chicago this weekend seem like a good use of my bench or Duty at home versus the equally woeful Revs? So we've got Jaywoo here as our, as our Revs expert. What do you think? Looks like he's muted. It's it's tough to be a Revs fan nowadays. He didn't want to, you know, come on. <laughs> Are you still with us, Jason? Oh, God. I've been talking for a while. I had some very poignant points. Is that a word? <laughs> right. I don't know. Um, Cut. Okay. We're going to have an edit here. 
Oh, we are not that. having an edit there. That is gold. I switched tabs. Yeah, that's good stuff. That's good stuff. So, oh god, I can't get back to the right tab. This is chaos. Okay, uh, Miyazaki has a bye week. So if you're having him on the field as a switcheroo, um, either way, I would still have Woodbury first and Duty second. I would put Woodbury in the field personally. I think the Revs have been really struggling, and I think they're bolstered by the last week's result. And Chicago, although it's an away game, you know, I think there's some history with Chicago. I think, you know, going there and getting a win fits into the narrative of bouncing back, which I think they're really going to be pushing for. Woodbury should be part of that. I think it's a good bet to go with Woodbury. That's where I'm at with that. Um, duty, you know, 3-3-2, three, three, not many bonus points. I mean, I think Woodbury... I mean, he's definitely frustrating. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> I think he has a better chance of having a good week, personally. Keep Miazga. Don't drop him this week because he has a bye. Keep him and then ride him out for the the three weeks coming after that because it'll be good for him. There we go from the expert. And our final question comes from Boyan Boyan, and it's for Simon. Is Ship worth keeping? No. Chicago sucks. I don't <laughs> like having bad play. Sorry, I don't like having players from bad teams, no matter how good the players are. Uh, so, no. That ship sailed long ago, man. Come on, you know that ship is sinking. <laughs> yes. You might say oh, it's a shippy online. decision. It's <laughs> even worse. I didn't think there was a worse pun. Well, that's all the questions that we have for this week. Uh, thank you so much if you've stayed listening to us. I know we've run long, but I think there's been some great conversation, so definitely spread this around. We're going to wrap up real quick now with our uh, community time, and we'll just I'll make this real quick for everyone. So the top scorer from the r slash fantasy MLS league this week was from Anarchy99, and that is the, uh, the team name, and I have neglected to write down the manager. So my fault manager of Anarchy99 at 133 points. That's a fantastic score. Uh, the highest was 137, so also great. And I would add that the highest score came from someone from the MLSFantasyBoss.com league. So go team, go. Uh, as far as the head-to-head -head news, uh, I won my head-to-head -head matchup this week in our MLSFI hosts. So that was great. I have moved up to third place, so that's that's good for me. Simon, what about yourself? Um, I won mine, but it was against Scott, who I think think is inactive at this point so, rough times for scott been, been yeah pretty busy. he's been busy busy dude so um i don't know i think i'm like 11 and 9 now the nine lives are gone of the cat or whatever i've been saying so <laughs> i'm never losing again and then jason you just got yeah. got uh squeaked out there by by paul yeah but if you know if you're losing your head to head at 97 points it's a rough week. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, it was pretty good. Any, you, any of the other guys have, uh, Jason or Guy, some some updates on head-to-heads real quick? Um, I won all of my head-to-heads this week, so I, I was very surprised. Um, I'm now first in my work league, and that's all that I really care about at the end of the day. So. Yeah, yeah. I won all of mine. There are three leagues that don't really matter to me, but um, now I'm up to ninth in the Real Salt Lake League, so I'm, I'm slowly... Getting back, I was like 600, and now I'm back to 325. Next week, hopefully, top 250. 
So we'll see. Fantastic. Yeah, lots of green arrows for everybody, I hope, this round. So that's yep. all that we have for the show. Do you guys have any plugs before we sign off? Uh, yeah. Um, <clears throat> you know, check out my site at footyfantastic.com and check me out on YouTube, of all things, at uh, Fantasy Soccer Buzz, because I decided that one of the faces of fantasy soccer does not need to be pretty. Uh, <laughs> It's just me talking soccer and having a stiff drink. I mean, what's 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 wrong with that? It's America. And if you think he needs guests, tweet him. I, I just think it would be funny if we, like, called in to Guy and would just talk over cell phones during the show. That would be great. Yeah, that would be great. I love that. <laughs> we can I even love make it like a Mark Marin thing. People just, like, visit my, my, my little dining room and we just have a drink and talk fantasy soccer. That's Road it. trip to Portland. There you go. Yeah, check my punts out on MLSFantasyBoss.com and on Reddit, usually every Monday. But this week, just for you guys, I'll do it on a Wednesday. And, uh, yeah, thanks to all the new followers I also have on Twitter. It's been great interacting with everyone for Major League Soccer and for Fantasy Premier League. If you don't follow me already, at JJ underscore Dirty. Appreciate it, guys. Thank you. Jason, Simon, anything for you guys? Nah. Nah, I'm good. All right, but everyone, please keep checking back to MLSFancyBoss.com. We have all the tips and, and secrets that we can think of that get posted every week from a lot of great writers like Jason. And keep going to r slash MLS for some great chat there. Be sure to post your teams tomorrow during Rate My Team Wednesday. And uh, stay tuned. We'll try to get some information posted for some fantasy Premier League leagues. I know some of the Reddit ones have already been knocked around, but I'll get those posted in uh, the drop-down menu to the top and... Maybe we'll do a podcast for that. I don't know. Uh, some people have been talking about it. Send me a tweet. Send me an email, something like that, if you'd like to see uh, MLS FI branch out into something with Fantasy. Thank you very much for listening. I hope you enjoyed the show. Let us know with some feedback, and uh, good luck. <laughs>